You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 141. In this episode, I'm speaking to Mel Abraham on how to create your framework and become an authority in your niche. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, uplevel your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. Today's guest is Mel Abraham, speaker and author of the bestseller, The Entrepreneur's Solution. He's been called the influencer's influencer and has worked with thought leaders like Ariana Huffington, Brandon Bouchard, and Tony Robbins. In this episode, Mel shares with us how we can become a thought leader and influencer too. You can find links to Mel at sigrun.com forward slash 141, and there you'll also find the show notes of this episode. I'm so excited to sit here with Mel Abraham, who I got to know through James Wetmore's Inner Circle, High Level Mastermind. And we've been trying to get on a call for a while. Once I canceled on you, sorry about that, Mel. That's all right. <laughs> <It> ha- <laughs> and thank you for being on the show. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic. This will be fun. Thank you for having me. And then I freaked out this morning when the link wouldn't work going, no, we got to get on the call. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Zoom is playing tricks on us. But here we are. And you have become known within our mastermind, and I know outside as well, being the guy that helps people become an authority in their niche. And so that's what I want to talk about, because a lot of my clients are very interested in a topic. And one of the things that I learned from you and told them, well, you need a framework, you need a framework. (laughs) So... (laughs) So let's step back and how come you are doing what you do today? Well, the interesting thing is that, as you know, that I've been educated as a CPA. So in the States, that's a certified public accountant. It's a boring, boring job. But what I was trying to do at the time was not follow the traditional path and set myself apart in a way that I had the opportunity to be seen as an expert so I could testify at trial, so I could do strategic work with boards of directors. But when I went out into the world, what I found is that most of the time they didn't want to hire me because they didn't know who the heck I was. They didn't know what my background is. They didn't know anything about me. And so now we're talking back in the day when there was no internet. It was 1990, so I'm aging myself. I had to figure out how do you create a situation where when the topic comes up, when the subject comes up or the the problem comes up, your name rises to the top. I wanted to figure out what was the way that I could be that top of mind expert in the space. And and that's where this all started to come from is that is that this whole concept of marketing is great because it raises awareness, but it doesn't necessarily get you the kind of business you want as an authority, as an influencer, as a thought leader, as an expert, unless the marketing leads to positioning. Mm. And so a lot of, lot of visibility, a lot of noise. Yeah. Maybe that makes you famous, but 
you're not the go-to expert in your niece necessarily. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. Those of us that are in this space, whether it's you're selling solutions, you're selling wisdom, you're selling knowledge. And one of the problems I see today, especially, is that, you know, people say, well, I'm info marketer. I'm, I, I sell information. Well, but information is is ubiquitous. You, information is you just go to the Google, you know, Mr. Google and the information's there. People don't want information. There's no value to the information. The value is in the transformation that you get from the information. So what becomes important is that we position ourselves as the interpreter between the information and the transformation. And when our audience sees us that way, we move from a commodity to premium to that person that they sit back and say, and I've had these calls where they say, listen, I know you're expensive. I know that this is going to cost a bit, but I heard that you're the best and carte blanche. They hire you. That's positioning. Mm. So how do you get there? Um, so I, it's interesting because here's what there's two things that I think we have to master in this space and we have to do them in a specific order. The first is our knowledge. That's what we know. We have to figure out what it is we know that is distinct, unique and expansive. And we can talk about the, the hierarchy of thinking there as part of the process. But then the second is how we're known, our notoriety. And the mistake that most people make is they focus on the notoriety first. In other words, they do the marketing, they get the launches in place, they get the, the web pages, they do all of that stuff that quite frankly is window dressing to the thing that's most important. And that's your knowledge. Because extracting the knowledge, I'm not going to say it's easy to, to create something that what we call distinct frameworks and proprietary processes that have depth and layers of knowledge where someone talks to you and they go, this person knows a lot more than we've just had a conversation about. That takes work and that takes deep thinking, but that's what creates the value that we're trying to create. So what we need to do is start with extracting the knowledge first packaging it in a way that is digestible, that's transformational and gets results on a consistent basis. Now we can go out to the world with our marketing because if we go with the marketing first and we don't have good content and we don't have get good results, then what ends up happening is we only succeeded letting the world know that we got crappy content. <laughs> so how do you take people through this process? You know, as you say, extracting the knowledge, is there a way? Are there questions? Like, how do you extract that knowledge? There's a couple of things to think through in, in this process. Uh, one of the frameworks that, that I teach from is something called the thinking hierarchy. And that there's five layers of thinking that moves it from, in content, that moves it from informational, transformational, that gets someone to say, I need this and I need it now. The first layer is this, is that what is it that you know that is essential to someone's life. In other words, it solves a problem that they want solved. One of, one of the things that we do, those of you that are in the expert space or thought leader space, we can't approach this business like an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is very different than what I call a thoughtpreneur, an influencer, because an entrepreneur looks at a market space and says, ooh, look at that gap. And let me figure out the solution and let me go and exploit that gap and let's solve that problem. That's an outside in approach to our market. 
Ian, yeah, that's what they teach in MBA. Exactly. Just, it's, it's, you know, it, find a hole and fill, fill it. it. It is a traditional yeah. MBA business plan approach to things. As an expert, as an influencer, as a thought leader, we actually do it the other way around. We go internal first. We figure out what it is we know that is distinct, that is unique, the results we've gotten, the challenges we face, the things that will be valuable to someone else. And we say, what problems do they solve? And now we search for the market that has those problems and wants them solved. So we go from the inside out versus the outside in. It then allows us to live our calling that's in alignment and congruent with the knowledge that's core to us. So you and I are having this conversation without notes, without slides, without anything, because it's innate in us because we've lived the journey. It is the knowledge and expertise. So it has to come from within first. We find the people out there that we want to, that have the problems that want solved. It becomes essential in their life and we give it to them in that way. That's one of the keys to doing it. So that's the first layer. The second piece is that once we know that we're solving the problems that they want solved, because if we see the problem, but they don't want the problem solved, then they're not going to buy. The second piece of this is that we need to expand their thinking on the topic and on the subject. So what I mean by this is, is that we can't just simply uh, regurgitate and repeat the things that other people in the space have talked about. Otherwise, we're just, we're going to be seen as a thought repeater and not a thought leader. And I want to be a thought leader. If someone's sitting back saying, I've heard that before, or you're just doing Stephen Covey stuff. So the next step of that is saying, okay, if I know what I know, and I know what the problems it is it solves, then the question then becomes, how do I expand the thinking? And the way you do that is, is to look at, look for contradictions or extensions of the work that has already been done. So you're jumping off from where they left off and now you bring your unique spin to it. But here's the next piece that this is where a lot of the experts will fail because the next piece of your content when you create it is it has to be actionable. And what that means is that it's got to get results. There's got to be a process attached to it that says, I can take you from point A to point B. And the reason for that is that if we talk theory and process all day long, then it's not actionable. They're not going to get the results. And the reason you want process is because when I tell you that, you know what, I have a five-step process that I can walk you through to do this in the person's mind, they go, there's a process. Okay, five steps, I can handle it. I probably can get that done. And three, because there's a process and he's done it over and over again or she's done it over and over again, it gives me certainty of the outcome and it settles me down. So now we go to, if I've got a process, how do I refine the content in a way that moves it from complex to simple? And that's where frameworks come in. It's huge because I can literally draw a picture. I mean, when I when I would testify at trial and it was a lot of times on financial matters, the other experts were putting their numbers on the flip chart and and on the Elmo and they're they're putting it in front of the jury. And there's all these numbers on the screen of how they calculated. And they say, all right, Mr. Abraham, um, can you show us what you did? I said, is it OK if I draw a picture for you? So now I draw a picture of how things moved. And when the jury goes into the deliberation room, what do you think they remember? All the numbers on the chart or the picture I drew? See the framework, the beauty behind it? It's the one tool. It's the one tool that marries the 
emotional side and the logical side together. And here's why. A framework that's a graphic diagram of what you're trying to explain is an internal, it's a visual take uh, intake. When we take things in visually, we take them in emotionally. For instance, you go, you see a puppy dog or you see a little kid. What happens to you emotionally? Because it's a visual intake. So the visual intakes and emotional intake. So when I draw a picture and I use the right shapes in the right way with the right colors, it creates a psychological emotional impact on the viewer. The second part of that is that it has structure to it. It's got lines and boundaries. It's got direction. It's either evolution, inclusion, exclusion, those kinds of things. When you think it through, there's more to it than just putting shapes. There's a psychology to it. It creates the logic side of it. So I marry the emotional side with the logical side with one tool. And when they look at it and it's done properly, they go, I get it and I could do that. That means it from complex to simple. And now people look at you and go, first off, this is stuff I need. This is stuff I need now. And now they've crossed the last line that I tell people they need to cross in order to buy. That's the I can do it line. Because now they look at it and they go, I got it. I can do this. Yeah. But how do you get there? A lot of people are like, okay, I need a framework. I need a framework. And some people can figure it out in five minutes, but others take years. Is there a process to get there faster? Well, there is a process. One of the things that we do in, in one of our programs is we actually just start capturing the information. So what are the insights? What, like one of the key uh, points that I always make in almost every single one of my speeches and, and my talks is that work-life balance is a myth. So work-life balance is a myth is the point that I want to make. So if we create an inventory of insights, of inventory of points that we want to make, we then can group them together and say, all these points are under the focus of leadership. And now we start to do what's called chunking or categorizing. I was at a, uh, a mastermind, speaking at a mastermind just recently down in, in Cabo, talking to someone and he said, you know, I'm having problems with my course, getting it sold. And, and so I said, tell me a little bit about it. He says, well, it's, it's got 23 modules in it. And I said, cool, 23 modules. I said, uh, he says, yeah, but they're not buying it. I said, of course not. They're not buying it. 23 modules. I said, did you show them the 23 modules? He says, yeah, it's great content. And I said, he says, look, and he shows me like this printout and it's like got all these 23 boxes on it. He says, like this complex computerized, you know, flow chart. And I'm looking at it going, no wonder they're not buying. I said, you show that to him before you're trying to make the, the pitch? He says, yeah. I said, no, they're not going to buy. So we took that and we said, let's look at it and say, these things have three things in common. These things have four things in common. And so now we took the 23 and we put them into a group of four. So when I started this and you asked me, I said, there's two things we need to master, notoriety and knowledge, how we're known and what we know. Immediately, the, the listeners probably said, well, I can do that. That's only two things. I can do that. I then went one layer deeper and then I talked about the thinking hierarchy, which then broke it down into five other things. Below that, there's another layer. So what we need to do is first catalog the information in our head, the points that they need to know to get from point A to point B. First, categorize it and catalog it. Second, we're going to group them in commonality. This gets us to here. This gets us to there. So now we can chunk them down. 
Third, we're going to ask ourselves, which of these do they need to know now for where they're at? And which can we wait till later? And we put the ones that are the later stuff down the road a little bit. Because one of the things that that a mistake I made and a lot of thought leaders make, because we know a lot of stuff. I did my very first um, live event. So it was Business Breakthrough Academy seven years ago. And I just unleashed on them 20 years of entrepreneurship. It was the best. There was so much valuable content there. It was totally useless. <laughs> because I gave them so much, they didn't know what the hell to do. And now, yes, but you you thought it was a good thing, and I did, and we all do. So twenty three modules doesn't work, and so the thing is, I gotta first catalog everything and say here are the, the the five insights, the eight insights for relationships, for for leadership, for culture, for whatever it is, and start to to look at what are those core elements that they need to have. And group them in a way that we can shrink them down three to maximum seven chunks so they're digestible. As soon as we go past that, I've seen people do it with nine, but I think the sweet spot is five to seven. Once you do that, they can grasp it. So once we catalog it, now we start to ask ourselves in the context of a framework, there's four things when you build a framework that need to be be answered, four questions. One is that there's a formation to it. In other words, the shapes. There's circles, triangles, and squares. That's it. And so the question is, what shape is going to create the psychological understanding of what it is I want to create? So for instance, a circle can indicate inclusion. A square will indicate possibly boundaries, a triangle, possibly evolution or direction. So we think through and say, ask ourselves, what is this model or this framework meant to do? Is it supposed to give direction to people? Is it for them to understand what to exclude? What are the different shapes that would make sense there? So I start to think about the shape. Then the second piece of what I call the framework formula is the content the information. So formation, information, and that's the stuff that we just extracted. And we say, we got to put it on here. So what's the information that they're going to get? And then these last two are the things that people don't think about, but this is where the magic is in the framework when it's done right. The third is what I call the emotion. So every framework is built on instilling or extracting or bringing out a specific emotion. Do I want it to be hope? Do I want it to be aspirational? Do I want it to be a, something that gives them this elevation of a possibility? Do I want it to create and scratch a little bit of the pain so they understand that they got to move? What emotion do I want to instill and insert into the framework? So we make sure that we're clear on that. And then the last piece is the, the unpacking of it, really. So, so we talk about choreography. We talk about the dance. If I took one of my frameworks and just slapped it up on the screen, people will go, oh, wow, there's a lot there. And they don't know. So what we do, which if you've ever watched me speak or some of the things that I do live, I literally draw it out with you. So the audience and I go on a dance and it is a dance to co-create the framework and go on a journey as we unpack it. 
And in the process of knowing that we got the right formation, the right information, the right, the right emotion. And then when we unpack it, that's what brings it to life. And that's when people go, wow. And it becomes memorable. It becomes unforgettable. And it becomes uniquely yours that makes you distinct in the, in the marketplace. Even if someone had your framework that they drew out and they put it up on the board, it would not have the same impact because they didn't have the one, the detail work that you did to bring it to life. And they didn't present it in the way that you did. And then you have to give it a name. You got to give it a name. So, so you got to give it a, a name that is clever. You know, one of the things that we do is we look at what's the outcome. What's the, you know, is it a matrix? Is it, you know, but I don't necessarily say this is my framework, you know, like, you know, the framework formula, there's a name. So the framework formula, I have the, the influencers genius model. So, you know, the thinking hierarchy. So I give it a name, put the at the beginning of it. For some reason that raises the value. I don't know. <laughs> so you put the at the beginning of it and you've got a name. Now think about what's happening in the process. All the worksheets that we have, everything that we do has a specific name. Communication pathways template. It's a template that we use to capture the thinking, uh, the thoroughness blueprint. It's a worksheet that we use to allow them to expand the thinking. But everything has a name. There's two things that happen with that. One, they realize that you've, you've done a lot of work to build your content. Two, it becomes proprietary, uniquely yours. Okay. Three, now you create a language that's unique to the group and the community you're serving. So now in my community, they'll, instead of communication pathway template, they'll turn around and say, what's the CPT? You know, have you got the CPT for that? And we're having this conversation and people are going, what's the CPT? What is it? Well, you got to join us to figure it out. <laughs> That's and the, you then also trademark some of these names or all of them? Um, so everything, everything gets a trademark insignia on it. The ones that actually go through the formal trademarking process are the ones that have legs and that are the core to the revenue generation. Trademarking can get, I mean, you've been through it many times, so it can get cumbersome and expensive. With the volume of content that I put out, I would have my own office at the trademark office. <laughs> so now, and I'm not an attorney, so I can't advise on it, but my understanding is that, you know, first to market, it's once it's out there, it's first to market, you've got the documentation, it's effectively your intellectual property and it's protected. Now, if you want formal protection, you go through the copyright process, you go through the trademarking process. If it's an invention, you go through the patent process. But those things that are core to your business in the sense of the brand and the revenue generation, I do think that you ought to go through the formalities of making sure that it's trademarked properly. Mm. So basically when you have done all of this, it also feels like you actually created an asset in your business. It's a huge asset. In fact, for those of us that are in the expert space and thought leader space, it's our own. There's two things we have to protect. The two things that are so, so important to us, and it is what we create, the content, the, the stuff. I'm just, I'm just grabbing something, you know, like, like I look at, at this, that kind of stuff is so, so important. It's what we create. I got to protect that so it doesn't get taken away and our ability to create it. So our ability to make money is here. The more we can think, 
the more we can create, the more we can communicate, then the more impact we have. Now, all of a sudden, our, our income level is directly proportional to the depth of our thinking and the content we put out there. And so, so we got to protect that. And that's our biggest asset. I mean, we may have computers and we may have cameras and stuff, but it's not where the value is. The value is in our thinking. And then we put it out there. And then if you have a framework, I just, you know, there's a couple of frameworks I can think of right now. But for instance, Tony Robbins has the six human needs. Now, if I talk about the six human needs to my clients, I either mention Tony Robbins or people just generally know that this is his framework and you wouldn't claim that it's yours. Then you are kind of expanding his visibility and his intellectual property because people are referring to the framework of other people. Absolutely. Hopefully they do, because I think there's a there's a special place in hell for those people that want to steal other people's intellectual property. Yes. <laughs> But the fact is, is that you give credit, you give attribution. Some folks, I, and I've seen it repeatedly with people that they're reluctant to quote someone else's work and because it, they think it takes away from them. I said, no, 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 no. As soon as I quote Stephen Covey, the audience says, wow, they're informed. They understand the industry. They understand the topic. And now we extend the thinking that so, so it actually leads to credibility. It leads to integrity. It leads to ethics. And I've been in audiences where I listened uh, to someone and they never claimed it was someone else's. They didn't necessarily claim it was theirs, but they presented it as if it were. And the bottom line is that maybe half that audience had no clue. I did and completely lost all respect and lost all uh, credibility with me. And there's a whole group out there that would do that. Now, I'm the kind of guy that if I see it, I'm calling it out and, yeah. and I'll let them know Good. because yeah. because I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want anyone else to do it. I literally did a live yesterday, had someone turn around and say, so I was such great content. I'm going to go do a live about it now. And I reached out privately on a private message and said, listen, I'm totally good with you doing it, but, but you're not authorized to teach from proprietary content. Please do me a favor. Make sure you respect the intellectual property. They said, absolutely. You know, you know, give you credit and all that. So I think a general rule when you look at it is if I'm going to present something and like I'll, I quote the book, you know, Bonnie Ware, Five Regrets of Dying, and I'm going to give the author, I'm going to give it a piece of, but I'm not going to teach from it. If, if you're going to take Tony Robbins, six human needs, and, and you're going to teach the six human needs, I think you need to reach out and you need to get formal permission to do so because that is his content. That is his intellectual property. But if I'm going to introduce it or I'm say, you know, he talks about six human needs. And I think that there's a couple of things in there and I don't spend a lot of time teaching it and I'm not teaching his framework. I'm good with that. And I think that that's an appropriate way to honor those that built the foundation of which you're springing off of. Yeah. And I love that. So when people have built their framework, what do you see next step? Is that go out there, write a book or what's the next step to get it, uh, you know, market a framework? So I think that the, the next step, my, one of the philosophies we have is that, uh, that you can't sharpen the, uh, the ax until you put it against the stone. So the first thing to do, and one of the easiest ways to do this is in small group coaching or one-on-one -on -one coaching is to test your content, test your delivery, test all of it. So 
I want to take it out into the marketplace. I don't want to go out there and go do a TED talk on it or go and say, you know, I got this keynote and I've got 2000 people in the room. I'm going to try this new thing because, you know, there's a chance that it really goes well, but there's a much higher chance that it is going to bomb. And so what I think we ought to do first is say, all right, so I've got this content. I, you know, whether it is, and you and I are obviously uh, with James and all that stuff, whether it's doing it in a one-on-one coaching, testing the content out, watching the questions, hearing the questions that they ask to see, do they get it? Watching the facial expressions. If they're tweaking their eyes and going, I don't get it, then we've got some work to do. You may realize that in certain marketplaces, language has to change. Like I just did a keynote, opening a conference keynote in, um, in San Diego in December for a group of financial advisors and that, that type. Well, the term influencer doesn't resonate with them. In fact, it smacks of, of manipulation in their eyes. But when I was talking to them about the concept, they, someone's turned around and said, oh, you mean authority. And like the light went on. So when I did my keynote, I started with the word authority and then transitioned to the word influencer. So I connected the two because the bottom line is you can have the prettiest framework. You can have the the, the greatest content if we don't move them to get a result. We're trying to get behavior change because through behavior change, we get result change. And the way we do that is getting their thinking work different. So if they think different, they behave different, they get different results. Ultimately, they become a different person because they change their identity in the process. So ultimately, what we sell is identity and hope is what I believe. And the way to do that is to say, how do I best communicate to this audience my concepts so they grasp it, they think differently, behave differently, get different results. In this case, I had to use the word authority instead of influencer before I use the word influencer to get them to join it together. And so the only way you understand that is being connected with the market, going out there, testing it. And the safest place to test is one-on-one coaching sessions, uh, small group coaching, or some sort of pilot or beta program. Yeah. And then when that all works out, you go have a signature course, a book, and talk. and Yeah. So... So I think that the first thing, absolutely, a lot of people want to do a book first. As you know, I've got uh, The Entrepreneur Solution, which is about entrepreneurship, which we put out, which hit number one on Barnes & Noble and USA Today. But realize, what's the purpose of the book? The book is a positioning piece. It's everything around the book that's going to allow you to have the greater impact and build a business around it. So... Some folks want to start with a book. I actually urge my clients not to start with a book, to start building content out there, whether with an eye towards possibly doing a book, but we refine the content, we get the impact, we get the results through courses, through membership sites, through consulting, through advising, uh, speaking, all those things. At the same time that we get those results, we get testimonials, through that process. Now, when we go to do the book, if we're going to use the traditional approach or a mid-tier publisher, I've got the book, I've got the results. I actually have a platform and a following. 
that allows it easier to go and distribute. We moved 16,000 books in two and a half weeks with the Entrepreneur Solution. And the challenge is that if you don't have a platform of following, it's gonna, they're gonna sit in your garage or they're gonna sit on a shelf at a distribution center. So I usually invite them to say, let's, let's start with something else. Let's get content out there, let's get some results, and then we'll use the book as a position piece. Because I will tell you this, Number one best-selling book, and it wasn't one of those run it up Amazon at 99 cents on a Kindle and think that you're your best-selling author. I mean, this is a physical book in bookstores doing the whole thing. And I'll tell you, they ain't knocking my door down saying, let's get that number one author of, of the uh, Entrepreneur Solution. It's still up to you to go out and position yourself and market yourself. Now, does it open doors? Certainly it does. And that's the key is that it's not the business. It's a positioning piece in the business. Wow. Identity and hope. I pulled that out of your, uh, you know, just before I said, you're giving identity and hope. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that's, that's the takeaway for me. Truly a takeaway. Thank you. I, I really think that, and this is what, you know, what drives me is, um, is I think that, that we've got a society in a, in a global world of folks that are looking for a new paradigm, a new way to live, a new possibility in their life. Because of the financial background, I spend a lot of time talking with people about wealth building and, and that kind of thing. And they're looking at me going, you know, is this it? Oh, God, I just can't imagine you're going through life, whether you're 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, and you start asking yourself, is this it? And I think that when we have that feeling, it's because we didn't live true to our identity and we have no hope. And the greatest gift we can give people in times of uncertainty, in times of change is identity and hope. Because with that, that gives them the opportunity to grow and a chance to look at things. I got an email from someone who just watched one of my webinars and, and she said, I was kind of struggling this and that, but you had one sentence in there and now I'm on fire. And I think that's the gift we can give people. Perfect. I love it. Mel, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Fantastic episode. And I cannot wait to see you in a few days yes. in Laguna Beach. We're going to mastermind together. Mel, it's been a true honor to have you on the show. And uh, I will be showing you my framework. Awesome. I'll be there. Ready to turn your passion into profits? Get free access to the seven stages of a profitable online business by going to signal.com forward slash 141. There you also find links to mail and show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, please share, subscribe and give the show a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode. <laughs>